الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والفجر وليال عشر والشفع والوتر والليل اذا يسر صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen brothers and sisters the ayat of the quran sharif that we recited at the opening ayat of surah al-fajr wal fajri wa layalin ashr this is a surah which is in the 30th part of the quran sharif and in this allah taala takes a qasam takes an oath on several aspects Allah Ta'ala is not in need of taking an oath for anything. We take oaths in order to convince somebody that what we are saying is correct. Allah Ta'ala is asdaqul qailin wa man asdaqu min allahi haditha. Allah Ta'ala is the most truthful. There is no need for Allah Ta'ala to convince anybody about anything. So why does Allah Ta'ala take a qasam, take an oath? it is to highlight the importance of certain aspects and here also allah taala is highlighting the importance of the things upon which allah taala is taking an oath so that we may take notice we may take uh, give it the due importance and we don't take it casually many a times there are things that we just take for granted we just take casually and as a result we lose out on many good rewards many great rewards so the purpose here is to highlight the importance so that we take it seriously and it is not that later on we then say well i lost out i should have rather done this or done that so in this ayat allah taala is taking a qasam wal fajri wa layalin ashr a qasam on dawn on the break of dawn subah sadiq so one explanation of this is that this is the qasam on the dawn of every day every morning when this morning breaks when the subah sadiq comes then it brings in a complete revolution the whole world now comes alive everywhere wherever the dawn comes so many things happen so many things start moving into a higher gear as you may say people start going to and fro in their daily routine even the animals come out of their places of safety wherever they were staying for the night and many things happen in any case this is something that is being brought to our attention that this dawn is a very great moment and especially for a mu'min that the subah sadiq now brings the start of a new day and that start of a new day starts off with his obligation of salah so now it is time for fajr so al fajr the time of fajr that subah sadiq brings along the obligation of the fajr salah so the highlighting this is also the fajr salah that a mu'min 
a mu'min doesn't allow that Fajr Salah to go past. Now the summer months are coming and it is longer, uh, it is shorter nights. So therefore, now the person is getting lazy. No, this does not, does not happen with a mu'min. The Fajr Salah is given its full importance and a mu'min makes sure that his day starts or her day starts with fulfilling the obligation towards Allah Ta'ala. And then Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ And the ten nights. What are these ten nights? The Mufassirin are generally unanimous and according to one hadith of Hazrat Jabir radiallahu ta'ala an, that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa himself explained that these ten nights refer to the ten nights of Zul Hijjah. The first ten nights of Zul Hijjah. So we are on the eve of Zul Hijjah. Perhaps tomorrow evening, maybe the moon is sighted. The month of Zul Hijjah would commence. So, this is a very, very auspicious time. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala is taking a qasam, taking an oath on this time, the ten nights of Zul Hijjah. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have said that the fast of each of the days of the first nine days of Zul Hijjah, the tenth obviously is the day of Eid, so there is no fasting on that day. So each day is like the fast of one year. The fast of each day is like the fast of one year, the reward. And the ibadat of each night is like the ibadat of Laylatul Qadr. This is a riwayat of Tirmizi Sharif. And this is a very great virtue. Obviously Laylatul Qadr has its own barakat, its own blessings, which are very special to that moment, which is actually Laylatul Qadr. So that is a special aspect that is only in that Mubarak night. But the reward of ibadat, which a person would get in Laylatul Qadr, the person gets for each of these nights, of the first ten nights of Zul Hijjah. Now here comes the issue about us taking many things for granted. We just take it in passing. We don't give it the due importance. We don't give it that seriousness. And as a result we lose out from great rewards, great benefits. This is a very great malady. The malady of taking things casually for granted, not giving it its due importance. Obviously, the fasting of these ten days, these first nine days, is not farz, is not compulsory. The tahajjud salah and other ibadat at night is not compulsory. But, if it was dunya, if it was something material that a person had the opportunity to take benefit from, then a person says it's season time. Now, don't invite me to any braai now, I can't come now. I'm very busy making money. And sometimes it's a very busy time, then the very close person is getting married also, you excuse yourself that uh, now is a very busy time. If I close my shop, some person would say, if I close my shop to come to your wedding all the way, a few hundred kilometers then I'm going to lose out big time. At the moment we open seven days a week, I can't come because it's season time.
is December season, it's whatever season. So, when it comes to dunya, then we don't want to lose out. We want to make the maximum. We want to derive every benefit that we can. We want to earn the last cent that we can. But when it comes to deen, and Allah Ta'ala is showering down these innumerable blessings, Allah Ta'ala is showering down His Rahmat, and at that time, we say, well, it's one of those things now, it's not so serious, and uh, it's not farz, this is our major malady, that if something is mustahab, if it is sunnat, if it is nafil, then our, our mind, the meaning of that is that it must not be done, or it doesn't have to be done. Mustahab means it doesn't have to be done. Nafil means it doesn't have to be done. And farz and wajib means it must be done. Whereas the Sahaba, their mindset was very different. Mustahab means it must be done. Nafil means it must be done. Obviously, the fiqhi definition and the status and position of it in terms of fiqh will be different. That it must be done here refers to that to gain the maximum benefit. Mustahab comes from hub. Hub means love. So the person who keeps doing what is mustahab, he is doing something that is beloved. Mustahab, he is doing something that is beloved. By doing what is beloved, he will become beloved. And by neglecting it, regarding it as, by the way, as minor, that is a very serious thing. One is a person left it out, and a person felt, well, uh, I couldn't manage it now, it is a little beyond me now, I'm tired, whatever the case is. But the person feels a sense of deprivation, that how I wish I could have done it. Unfortunately, I am not managing it now, I'm tired, whatever the case is. That's a different issue. But a person regards it as something minor, something by the way, that is a dangerous thing. So therefore, we should be aspiring, we should be trying to do what we can. In these Mubarak days and nights that are coming, we cannot fast every day, no problem. The weekend comes, the weekend we are free, we are not in madrasa, we are not in school, then we fast in that time at least. The other part is that, the nights... We cannot stay awake the whole night. We are weak. We have other responsibilities the next day. So staying awake till late in the night and shirking in one's responsibility the next day, that is also incorrect. But some ibadat we can make. We can be making some tilawah of the Quran Sharif, some zikr, some dua. We can be spending 15 minutes after Isha Salah maybe. Now 15 minutes, this is really nothing. But if we don't have our mind focused towards it, then it just slips away. Many things when the mind is not focused, it just slips away. But a person does not focus on, for example, akhlaq. Then a person just becomes lax, speaks anyhow, conducts oneself anyhow, and just carries on with life, that nothing happened. But if a person is focused, then a person thinks, a person reflects, is this the right behavior? Is this the right conduct? Is this the right way to uh, spend my time? 
for example in madrasa it might be a free period for example maybe some mallima is not present she's not well whatever the case is or whatever the situation may be at that moment there is not no lesson taking place so how should i be spending this time what should i be doing now if we reflect then this would guide us often all it requires is to reflect like akhlaq itself we are talking about akhlaq we just digressing now but in any case the akhlaq that we just mentioned so akhlaq we know the benefits we know the rewards we know the importance it is the most heavy thing on the scales of good deeds on the day of qiyamah all the other various ahadith that we have discussed many times but to improve one's akhlaq what is the method if akhlaq is such a major thing akhlaq is such a great thing so it might require a very huge effort maybe a person has to break rocks and climb mountains to build this akhlaq indeed one has to take the guidance of people of akhlaq but together with that it's very simple the effort to develop akhlaq is really very simple all it requires is that a person develops the habit of reflecting we don't do something before reflecting we don't say something before reflecting and reflecting on what simple very very simple that a person who keeps reflecting before saying anything before doing anything that if what i want to say now or what i want to do now if somebody else had to do the same thing or somebody else had to say the same thing to me would that be a means of inconvenience for me would that disturb me would that hurt me would that pain me would i feel uncomfortable would i regard it as something that the person should not have done <coughs> so if this word or this action which if somebody else said this word or somebody else did that action in my presence or to me then i would have felt uncomfortable about it or i would have been hurt or pained about it or i would have wished that this person didn't say this or this person didn't do this to me then if i would have felt like that then others will feel like that as well so therefore i must now not say this i must not do this action now if a person just keeps reflecting person just keeps bringing this to mind every time i want to say something every time i want to do something so first there is this reflection and then the person then if the after reflecting upon it the person is sure that this is fine and sometimes if we are not sure it seems like a borderline case then too we don't take a chance then we refer to our seniors and take their advice that would this be the correct thing to say or would this be the correct thing to do but generally if we reflect we'll be able to ascertain we'll be able to distinguish so when a person keeps reflecting in this way that will develop one's akhlaq because now the person won't blurt out anything out of turn person is thinking first and akhlaq the sum total of akhlaq is that nobody else is inconvenienced in any way this is good akhlaq this is what it brings and it also develops the good qualities within one it develops sincerity it develops trust in allah taala it develops haya it develops respect 
All these are the real things to acquire. Other things are all by the way. The real things are these things. It's not the outer side that's going to really enhance a person's value. We've discussed this on many, many occasions. It is not the outer things. There was one piece of information that I just came across that globally, around the world, in 2011, so now each year this gets more and more, in 2011, globally, more than $400 billion, $400 billion, now, if you really write that whole figure down, it will run in about 13 zeros, 14, 14 zeros. So, you need a whole line to write this figure. More than $400 billion was spent on cosmetics throughout the world. And that too was in 2011. So, every year it increases by maybe 10, 15, 20%. So, $400 billion spent on cosmetics and the bulk of that cosmetics, maybe some is for some other purposes, the bulk of it, just to try and enhance one's appearance, one's outer beauty. But that doesn't really make a person. There are certain limited, permissible usage for that. So, that is in its place. But by and large, it is just in order to make oneself look more enhanced in the eyes of others who one shouldn't be bothered about trying to enhance one's appearance for and to try and make oneself feel I am somebody also. But that doesn't really build anybody. That doesn't really increase a person's worth and value. What really increases a person's worth and value is what is inside, what is in the heart. And the heart is what counts. If there's respect in the heart... This is what will really make a person respectable and will earn a person respect. A person will become respectful outwardly as well and a person will become respectable in the sight of others and as a result others will now appreciate one because one is respectful and that has made one respectable. And otherwise all the outer things will just fade into insignificance because of a person's poor akhlaq, because of a person's being rude, talking to one's parents in a rude manner, talking to one's seniors abruptly. So all the outer things now will have no benefit. That fancy cloak that somebody wore, that's not going to make a person good in, the re in reality. That is not going to enhance a person's worth and value. That is worn indoors. It's fine in its place. Outdoors, we've discussed this many, many times. That outdoors, it has to be something that does not attract. Indoors, fine. Somebody is buying it for indoors, up to them. No problem. Make yourself happy indoors. In the presence of mahrams, indoors. And only mahrams. But outdoors, it has to be something that does not attract. So, in any case, the point is that the worth and value of a person is not made up by these external things. It is made up by what is inside the heart and that expresses itself 
externally in the form of good actions, in the form of good words. So that is what really makes a person worthwhile. So we digressed a bit from the topic. What we are talking about is the value of these ten nights every day that comes in these ten days has a great position and value. So we should not allow this time to just get wasted, just wild away. We should be focusing and as we said that reflecting on everything we reflect. We have some time to spare, we reflect. How do I use this time? We are sitting in a classroom situation. What is the correct way of conducting myself in a classroom? I'm in a madrasa. What is the correct manner of conducting myself in a madrasa? There are Quran Sharifs kept around. There are kitabs in the, my presence. So this requires a different conduct now. Because I got to respect these uh, books as well. I got to respect the Quran Sharif as well. So all these things when a person reflects, when a person takes the time to think and think correctly, then this itself opens the way to a great extent. Then we need guidance and direction in the finer things and to make sure that our judgment is not wrong. But merely training ourselves to think correctly will itself open the way forward to a great extent. But this correct thinking, this too comes from the advices and the direction and the teachings of our elders and seniors, from our Kabir, from the Ahlullah. So in any case, this was one aspect that we need to focus on, we need to try and make the maximum of, that we start making some efforts, especially in these last, in these ten nights of Zul Hijjah, at least some time after Maghrib, after Isha, we are spending in Ibadat, in Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, in the recitation of the surahs of the evening, and some zikr, some dua, tasbihat, istighfar, durul sharif. So in this way, we too will become those who appreciated this gift of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, it's like somebody wants to give you a million rands, you say, no, I don't want it, leave it. Now, even if you didn't want it, but is that appreciation? And who doesn't want a million rands? Somebody gives us hundred rands also, we are very grateful, we take it. Allah Ta'ala is showering down innumerable blessings. Every night equivalent to the night of Laylatul Qadr, to the night of Qadr, in reward. So how much eagerness and enthusiasm we must show to try and take some of it. So at least some time we dedicate for ibadat in the nights of Zul Hijjah and the days, if not every day, obviously that might be strenuous for many of us, but the weekend we are free, so we try and dedicate the weekend. Friday, Juma we finish off earlier, so if we can, we keep a fast on that day, otherwise at least one or two days and Otherwise, at least we try for the ninth of Zul Hijjah that this has above the virtue of the first ten days of Zul Hijjah, this has a special virtue again that it becomes the compensation of the sins of the past and the following year. The minor sins of the past and the following year, the fast of this ninth of Zul Hijjah, the day of Arafah, this becomes a compensation. So we should try at least on that one day that we keep a fast then to just discuss one hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa where regarding qurbani inshallah many would perhaps perform their own qurbani or we would be part of the performance of qurbani in some way somebody in the family maybe our parents somebody else is making qurbani so we would also be in some way attached to this ibadat 
In any case, it is a time of Qurbani, so that our hearts and minds are focused in that direction. So the lessons are for one and all. With regards to Qurbani, Nabi Wasallam in one hadith, Nabi Wasallam says that, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَ الْإِحْسَانَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Allah Ta'ala has decreed ihsan for everything. Ihsan, kindness. Allah Ta'ala has ordained kindness for everything. Allah Ta'ala loves kindness. And then Nabi Islam further says that فَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِتْلَةَ وَإِذَا ذَبَحْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الذِّبْحَ If you are going to be the, we just getting to the main point that we want to discuss if you are going to be slaughtering an animal at any time you are going to slaughter an animal Allah Ta'ala has made that animal halal to consume after being slaughtered correctly in the name of Allah Ta'ala so Allah Ta'ala made this a means of our nourishment that a person will then eat from the meat of the animal but it has to be slaughtered in the name of Allah Ta'ala first in the correct manner so it's obvious that when a person is going to be slaughtering an animal that animal has life in it he has to catch it he has to put it down then he has to put a knife onto his throat so this is all something that is painful in any case but Nabi Islam says that if you are going to be slaughtering then slaughter in the best manner Meaning that you must cause the least amount of inconvenience and pain and difficulty to the animal. Some degree of pain is unavoidable. But you must minimize it. And in order to minimize the pain, Nabi Wasallam then gives some further guidance. That ensure that your knife is sharpened. So make the knife very sharp. So that as soon as you place it onto the throat of the animal in a moment, in a second it's cut already because as soon as the knife pierces the animal immediately the zabah, the method of slaughter this is the most painless method comparatively of taking the life of that animal outwardly it may seem that they the west, what they talk about electrocuting the animal or injecting the animal all this seems to be more humane as they call it. The reality is it's far from humane. Outwardly the animal seems that is now probably not feeling anything. But research has shown that that animal is in terrible pain when it is being electrocuted, when it is being injected lethally, etc. All these things are tremendous pain. And when it is slaughtered, as soon as that knife severs the throat, it severs the, the veins in the throat, Immediately the animal is still kicking, it's still jumping, but that sense of pain has already gone. It's numb completely. So in any case, the point that we are discussing is, that Nabi Islam is saying that make sure that your knife is sharpened, it's very sharp. And comfort the animal that you're going to slaughter. Give it some water to drink beforehand. Don't sharpen the knife in front of the animal. Don't slaughter one animal in front of another. So what is the purpose of all this? All these details, what is meant for? In order that a person does not inconvenience that animal. Beyond that means of necessity, some degree of pain is going to happen because you are going to slaughter it. But apart from that, there shouldn't be any undue pain. Now what is this? This is an animal. 
This is a hayawan. It is an animal. It's not an insan. But it has life. And because it has life, we have to respect that life. And we have to take that life in a kind way. It's a permissible taking of that life, taking in the name of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has made it halal. But it has to be taken in a kind way. It has to be taken in a way that does not cause any undue pain. So if this is the lesson that we are being given with regards to an animal, then what would be the case with regards to insan, to a human being? That how much more kindness a human being deserves? And then if that human being is a mu'min, has iman, then how much more kindness then we have to give that insan, that insan who is a mu'min as well? And then if that human being who is a mu'min is also our relative, then now this degree of ihsan that is necessary is multiplied. Or is a neighbor. Now the neighbor also is not only the neighbor living next door, the person sitting next to us in class, or the person who is our classmate, maybe sitting ten seats away, but that person too is our neighbor in class. Oh, that person is our own kit and kin. It is our brother, our sister. And then, furthermore, if that person is our own parent, now imagine that Allah Ta'ala has ordained that kindness even for that animal, that kindness for that sheep and goat, that kindness for the animal that is going to be slaughtered and then eaten up, then how much more kindness is necessary for insan, for a believer, and then for somebody who is closer, as the circle gets closer and closer, that requirement of ihsan grows. And that kindness, that compassion, that good treatment. And if it is haram to give undue taklif to an animal, if it is going to be sinful to give undue taklif and inconvenience to an animal, that a person is now sharpening the knife in front of the animal, he is not touching it also. But that animal can also sense that this knife is going to now come on my throat. It is given grief by that. It is, aggrie- it is grieved. It is pained. It is put into a state of anxiety by seeing that knife being sharpened. Or one animal is being slaughtered in front of another. So the animal that is watching what is going on, that animal is agitated. That animal is now obviously in a state of anxiety, in a state of pain, grief, depression, whatever you want to call it. But that is an animal. And if to do this to an animal is sinful, then what about insan? And what about a mu'min? And what about somebody who is a relative, or a neighbor, or our own parents? Now this is a lesson that we have to learn from Qurbani. When we slaughter animals, it is not just merely slaughtering the animal and that's the end of the story. No, there are deep lessons for us to take from here. That if it is sinful to give undue taklif to an animal, then what about insan? So again the same thing comes here, to reflect before saying something, before doing something, is this going to give taklif? If somebody said this to me, would I be then in a state of difficulty? Or would I feel pain? Would I experience taklif? that if I would experience taklif, others will as well. So I need to talk to them in a way that does not give them taklif.
my parents especially, how do I talk to them? Often then, shaitan will bring this to mind and put this in the heart of a person that well, uh, your parents also sometimes, once in a while maybe, or whenever, they also sometimes overstep the bounds. They deal with you in a way that was not appropriate. So if that is what they did, that is their responsibility and their matter with Allah Ta'ala. But if somebody, one person is not fulfilling their responsibility exactly as it should have been, or in the best possible way, then that doesn't give us license to also shirk in our responsibility, or in our duty. We will be answerable to Allah Ta'ala for our deeds, how we conducted ourselves. And Allah Ta'ala has ordained upon us to show the highest respect to our parents after Allah Ta'ala. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we have to speak with that respect. We have to deal with that respect. We cannot at any time cut corners in this regard. And then our teachers, our seniors, we have to show respect to all of them. And then this kindness and ihsan. If that kindness and ihsan is ordained for an animal, then how much more it is necessary that we keep making ihsan upon our parents. We show kindness to them. We deal with them in a kind manner. We speak to them in a kind manner. And then others around us, our classmates, our brothers and sisters, and anybody for that matter. So, these lessons are lessons for us to take. Not just that we take things casually, we take things by the way. It's a time for merrymaking. So we just go on without taking any message, any lesson then we have deprived ourselves greatly. So these occasions come for us to turn to Allah Ta'ala and to improve ourselves. These occasions come so that we become better people, we become better Muslims, and we become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. So the lessons that we learned for today, one was the importance of the first ten days of Zul Hijjah, that every fast in the first nine days is rewarded to the extent of the reward of one year's fasts. And every night is equivalent to the reward of Laylatul Qadr in terms of reward. So we should be trying to do at least something. We can't do everything all the time, but at least something we can do. So we should be making this effort. Together with that is this lesson to take from this Hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding slaughtering animals, regarding qurbani, that when a person is going to slaughter an animal, he should do it with kindness. He should do it in the very, in a very humane way. And when he's slaughtering, then he should not give any undue taklif and difficulty. And some of the aspects that go along with it, we discussed sharpening one's knife. Don't do it in front of the animal. Don't slaughter one in front of another. There are many other etiquettes in this regard and guidelines, but what is the bottom line of it all, so that we do not become a means of inconveniencing anybody else. So likewise, if this is the injunction with regards to an animal, then how much more it is important that we be careful with regards to insan, with regards to human beings, that we do not give insan taklif. And one is taklif physically, but often we give mental taklif to people. We often, sometimes we can even torture a person mentally. 
Many a parent sometimes complains that I am in such a state of agitation because of my child's behavior. The child will just be in a complete state of, uh, well, will just ignore us, will talk to the child and he won't say a word and he will just ignore and we have to then try to coax him to do whatever is necessary. Now, that person will say, but I didn't say anything. But that conduct of ours is creating mental torture. Now, that is taklif. It's taklif of a very high, high level, very severe level. So we should learn from this hadith of slaughter. That don't give taklif to an animal, then how severe it is to give taklif to one's parents. How severe it is to give taklif to one's teachers, to one's seniors. So all these are lessons for us to learn and to implement in our lives so that we become the true servants of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And when we will meet Allah Ta'ala, because this life is very temporary, this life is a passing phase. Every day we hear of somebody or the other has gone, somebody has passed away. We have no guarantee of tomorrow, we haven't got a guarantee of tonight. But we will make these small efforts, these little bit of attempts to improve our akhlaq, to conduct ourselves correctly, to improve ourselves in ibadat, to improve ourselves in deen in general. And we will deal in a kind way with everybody. We will respect our parents, we will respect our teachers and elders. We will make dua for them all the time, from the depths of our heart. And we will reflect, develop this habit of reflection. And think before we say things, before we do things. Then we will find that we will have a better life in this dunya also. We will improve ourselves. As a result, we will see improved relationship with others. And we will enjoy better respect and honor. And the main thing is that when we will meet Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, when we have to leave this world, Allah Ta'ala will be pleased with us. And we will get that eternal jannat without any reckoning, inshallah. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bless all of us. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Rabbana walamna anfusana wa illam takhfil lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. Rabbi khfir warham. واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين خير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين